0: uh i am not pastor cedric i'm pastor mike i'm filling in for him today uh as he takes a much needed break and rest um so lord knows he's earned it uh the way he serves us constantly his dedication to the lord is unmatched so please pray for him as he takes this break um as he gets to enjoy some time with his family which with his life his wife lisa who's so gracious to share him with us as well so um let's definitely keep them in our thoughts and prayers let's pray Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for the privilege to serve you. Uh, thank you that you're our friend, God, that you stick closer than the brother, Lord. And we just thank you so much for the relationship that we have with you. And because of that relationship, Lord, because of what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we, we should then be obedient to you out of hearts of gratitude, Lord, for what you've already done. So we thank you, Lord. We pray that your scriptures would come alive today, Lord, that you would empty me of my own thoughts, my own feelings, Lord, that that your word would shine through in everything, Lord, that is said here today. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a a little bit more pressure here in the second service since my uh, teacher from Gateway is here, so I better make sure I'm theologically sound or I might not get my certificate signed later. um but yeah it's a pleasure to have you guys here that was really an awesome awesome class um you don't have to be some deep theological thinker it is really it breaks down the gospel in such a great beautiful understanding way that makes it so relatable so understandable and if you're really looking to grow in your faith and to understand your faith more because there's so many concepts that we need to wrap our heads around it's just a great great class it's paced really well once a month i'd really encourage you to check out the, the seminar, the, the opening you guys are going to have at, at 1 p.m. Uh, it's, it's really good stuff. So uh, moving on, we're continuing our sermon series entitled, If My People. Um, and our key verse is 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14, which says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And we've been breaking down this verse into sections. Uh, A couple weeks ago, Pastor C started with, if my people who are called by my name. And just to emphasize that this verse, for the healing of the land, this is written to the church. This is written to us. And how we need to conduct ourselves so that the Lord can heal. land. We learned we need to humble ourselves last week. We need to put on humility, that we need to consider others as more important than ourselves. Again, so that we can be healed and so that we can help be part of healing in our land. Lord knows humility is a huge part of that, of putting our own feelings and thoughts and opinions to the side for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this week we're going to look at pray and seek my face. And we've been asking, what if we had the solution? What if we had the solution to healing our land? And it's as we've been learning, it's right here. We have it right in front of us, right in God's word. We have the solution to the healing that we now know for sure over the last four months really needs to take place in our land. But first, we have to take care of the healing on the inside, right? So, so many times we, we wanna run off and be part of this healing, even well-intentioned, but we all know the phrase, hurt people hurt people. And if we haven't been healed ourselves, if we're still carrying around a lot of the stuff that we leave unresolved in our hearts, we're gonna cause more harm than good. We need to be healed, guys. Then we can be part of the solution. So, if we need to pray, we're gonna talk about how we need to pray, who we should be praying for, and why should we pray. So, and then as we talk about seeking my face, seeking God's face, we're going to talk about <clears throat> how we do that and then what our reactions should be, how should we be after having an encounter with coming face-to-face with God. Okay, so if you could turn with me to 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, we'll start talking about prayer in that passage. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 4. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, as we talk about how we should pray and what our posture should be, what our heart should be like, I want to go over these four words used in referring to prayer at the beginning of um, verse one. The first word is entreaties. Entreaties, the, the definition from the original Greek is to beg, beseech, implore for a need. Webster defines it as an earnest or humble request, an appeal you make to someone who has the power to grant your request. Okay, we should know that God has the power to grant us these requests, but We have to come before him begging, beseeching him, Lord, calling out to him, Lord, we need you. Implore for a need. And again, I believe that this idea goes along with the humility we talked about last week, knowing that he is God and we are not. We're so fortunate that we have God as our father, that we sang about, we have God as our friend. And that's such a a heartwarming, loving facet, characteristic of who God is. But I believe that also, if we're going to have this humility, we need to remember there's another facet of the Lord. He's the almighty creator who knew us from the beginning and the end. And to emphasize this, I'd like if you guys could turn with me to Job 38. And if there was anybody who was really experiencing hardship, right, who wondered what is God doing, it was Job. You guys are familiar with the story. He went from having everything to he lost it all. He was left with his his wife who was telling him to curse God and die and he's sitting in a pile of ash from top all the way to left with nothing, okay? And he's questioning God. God, what what is going on? I can't wrap my head around this. What you know, what is I, I don't understand what you're doing. And God answers him. <laughs> and this goes on for Almost four chapters, definitely for two, and I just want to uh, look at some of these verses to kind of uh, let us see what God's response to Job was. Starting in verse four, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb. When I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. And I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no farther. And here your, shall your proud wave stop. Have you ever in your life commanded morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Whew, man. And this isn't God being condescending. He's not trying to belittle Job. He's just trying to give them a reality check, a little bit of perspective. That who who are you? Who can know the mind of God? He's an awesome, loving God, but we need to treat him with the respect that he deserves, too. He's awesome. And everything right now might not make any sense, but it doesn't have to. We just need to humble ourselves and obey. So that's entreaties. That's how we need to approach the Lord. Also, prayer. Denotes motion from a place, local proximity, or motion toward a place, among, around, near. James 4.8 says, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. We need to keep the Lord close to us. Our prayers need to be from a place of constant motion with him, always having him near us, being in communication with him. It can't be we just live our lives thoughtlessly and then all of a sudden we need to, oh God, can, can you help me now? He needs to always be with us in everything that we do. Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. He'll be right there for you. Petitions means to confer with, make intercession, often with a superior. So again, with the su- superiority of God, again, it emphasizes the humility we have and that he is and should be our ultimate authority. But I also wanna look at the word intercession here. If you could turn with me to Romans 8, 33 and 34, it talks about how Christ intercedes for us and that needs to be our example, right? We, our only desire, the only standard we should have is living as Christ tells us to and as he walked. As believers, that's what we need to do, to be healed on the inside, to help be part of the healing that needs to happen we should be making intercession on be, intercession on behalf of other people. Romans 8:33 and 34 says, "Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Now, before we talk a little bit more about intercession, I want to answer that question at the beginning of the 34, because there's like two thoughts here. And I want to make sure this is clear. Who is the one who condemns? Not Jesus Christ. He does not condemn us. We were condemned by our own sin. And in 33, he justified us. He cleansed us from our unrighteousness when we accepted his son, Jesus Christ, as our personal Lord and Savior. At the beginning of chapter 8, in verse 1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Christ has set us free. We are no longer condemned by our sins. So we can't continue to walk as believers who who feel unworthy, who feel like that that God can't use us. Because when we do that, we only shortchange ourselves. We're only fulfilling half of our capacity that he has for us. He wants to open up the doors to use you in great and mighty ways. But our own condemnation, our own insecurities gets in the way of that. He does not condemn us. We might have conviction, which is different. The Holy Spirit inside us convicts us and provokes us to righteousness and brings to light the things that we struggle with. But when we feel that conviction, then that causes the redirection, the repentance towards change. Okay? And I just want church, please, we need to know there are so many of us that just got to grab hold of what God has called you to do. Don't worry about where you've been. But worry about where he's taking you now. And he will use you in ways you never even imagined. So with intercession, (laughs) I just wanted to talk to you guys about that. All right. But also with Christ being the one who intercedes for us. Okay. He intercedes on our behalf. Those same sinners who constantly make mistakes who sometimes willfully sin, we go in rebellion. He knew we were going to be prodigal sons, prodigal daughters. But he intercedes for us anyway. He gave up his life willingly for us just for that reason. And so we need, in turn, to do the same. We need to intercede on others' behalf. That's everyone. Imagine you have a a best friend, okay? A really close person you trust, you rely on. And you knew that two years from now, that person was going to completely forget you. Was just going to betray that trust that you've given them for so long. Would you still intercede for them? Because that's what Jesus Christ does for us. He knows the mistakes we're going to make, but he loves us and intercedes for us anyway. And we have to do that for those around us on their behalf. Continue to pray for them. See hurts. Identify hurts and needs. And, and shortcomings around us and pray for those people. You see a failing, we shouldn't wait for someone to put a prayer request online for their marriage who's failing or for their rebellious children for us to get on our knees and pray for our brothers and sisters. We should see it and do it. See a need, fill a need, see a need, pray for a need. That's how we should be walking. That's how we can get true healing as individuals, as a church body, and eventually, hopefully, as we walk that out to our land. Thanksgiving means to show favor, give freely, forgive. And I thought this was really interesting as as I was preparing for this, that forgiveness and thanksgiving is tethered together. And it was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because if you're thankful for someone or something that happened, you can't really be bitter about it anymore. When you're thankful for it, it gives you closure and it can help soften your heart and give you some forgiveness that you need for that healing to take place in your life. I remember as I was going through this pastoral process, one of the first things that they did was give me this uh, sheet of questions. And they obviously, as wise men who were going to let me stand here one day, they wanted to know everything. And so I filled it out openly and honestly and gave it to them. And I never really heard anything, which I thought was kind of strange. It was like a year later, I had this meeting with the, the elders and pastors. It was Pastor C, Pastor Jose Torres, Elder Mark, and Pastor Tim. And we're sitting there and they're just like, Mike, you know, you've been doing some work and we're proud of you and they're gassing me up. And I'm like, oh yeah, thanks guys. And then they pull out this questionnaire and they got me. They sucked me right in with those questions. And they forced me to address all this stuff that I had answered before. And boy, I did not want to do that. And they opened up that closet and pulled out the skeletons and laid everything bare. And made me talk about it. And it was incredibly difficult. And Pastor Tim looked at me and he said, Mike, have you ever thanked God for those things? And I said, Heck no. <laughs> why would I do that? Thank God for all these terrible things, you know? And he's like, Yeah, thank God for that because that's what got you where you needed to be. And that's why you're sitting here today. And <laughs> like, like it makes total sense and I took him at his word and I began to walk these things out and and areas of my life where I realized I was holding on to when I just thanked God for it it changed my whole heart Philippians 4 6 it's a very familiar verse that we're very familiar with um for anybody who's been in church for a period of time be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God Be thankful for it all. And you know, even if you don't mean it when you first say it, just open your mouth and put the words out there. And God will change your heart. He he will. Do it and you'll see. So now we know how we need to come before the Lord, how our mindsets need to be, how our hearts need to be, as we make this request of Him, as we ask Him for healing in our lives, as we ask for healing in our land. But who do we need to pray for? Continuing at the end of verse 1. Let your entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. No exceptions. No special definition from the Greek. Sorry. It's, It's all. Pretty sure all means all. All right. And we need to make sure that we're doing this. Who do we need to pray for? All men. For kings and all who are in authority. Phew. We read that verse 10 years ago. Probably wouldn't have the same effect as it does now. But it creates an emotional reaction now. All who are in authority. And if we're going to be part of this healing in the land... We need to set all that aside, all our personal feelings, and obey the Word of God. If we're going to claim to carry the name of Jesus Christ, who loves all, with no reservation, then we need to hold on to what the Word of God says, and we need to obey it. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Daniel 2.20-21, Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and epics. He removes kings. He establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. God is the one in charge, and it might not make any sense to us, but he's in charge. And if we're going to represent the church in an incredibly hostile intense tense time, we can't get wrapped up in the sides that are presented before us by the world. We need to be on the side of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone who loves all. And we know that he's in control. He's in charge. And he'll still be in charge in November. So I would encourage you guys, I know it's difficult, but on November, on, in, on election day, 50% of the people who vote are going to be incredibly disappointed. That's just the reality. No matter what side you're on, you're going to be bummed out. But we know that God is in control. That's what separates us from all that noise. We need to believe it, church. We have to hold on to that. So we know how we need to pray. We know who we need to pray for. Why do we need to pray this way? Again in verse 2, So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Live a tranquil, quiet life. Separate yourself from the world. We're in it, not of it. Embrace the tranquility and quietness that God can have in your life. We read Philippians 4:6 earlier, so let's read 4 seven. So after we pray and, supp- and present our supplications with thanksgiving to God, when we've done this, The peace of God, in verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. He will guard your heart. He will guard your mind. We can't do it. We're flawed. We're sinful. We battle with the flesh and the spirit all the time. But when we submit to Christ, his peace will come in. And in times where it makes no sense at all, His peace will reign. It's incomprehensible. You're going to sit. When you embrace these scriptures and you apply these to your life, it's going to happen. You're going to be in a tense, hostile situation. Life is going to just hit you left and right. And you're going to be like, man, but I know God's in control. I feel good about it. I've been in these situations where tragedy has struck. And people ask if you're okay. and Yeah, I am. There's heartbreak. There's disappointment. But I know that God has a purpose in all of it. And through that, because I know that, because we can know that, church, we can have uncomprehensible peace in our lives. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. As we walk this out, that is what will draw people to Christ. The word knowledge here means to know exactly, to recognize. When people look at us, what do they recognize? What do they see? They should know right away. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our works should do the talking for us right we can say everything that we want but the way we walk the way we live out our faith before a lost hopeless world searching for answers that is what is going to change the hearts of men that is what is going to lead all men to be saved so we know the how the who and the why of why we need to pray okay so our next point, we're going to talk about seeking the face of God. Why should we seek the face of God? 2 7 Chronicles 7.14 tells us we need to seek his face, and the definition of seek is to beg, search, or plead. So when we're seeking him, this isn't a, you know, a passing glance around the room. Oh, God, where are you? Oh, I don't see you. So I'm just going to keep going. There needs to be an earnestness about this. Begging, searching, pleading with him. God, I need you. Please reveal yourself to me. I'm lost and I need you. Jeremiah 29:13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. We need to give him unrestricted access to our hearts. If we think that we're going to find him, we need to let him into everything. That's when we'll find the Lord. Matthew 7 7 through 11 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give what is good to them to ask. When we seek God with all of our hearts, we'll find Him and He's there waiting. He doesn't stray from us, we move away from Him. And when we're searching for Him, He's still there. We just got to get through some of our baggage to get to Him. And I love this passage in Matthew as a father, right, who loves to give good gifts to my child or, you know, for your children, okay, that brings us pleasure. Even though by nature we're sinful and selfish, we love to be good to our children. So how much more so does our Father in heaven, who's perfect, want to be there for us, want to give you the desires of your heart? He's sitting there just waiting, knocking, but he's not going to force his way in. We have to open the door and let him in. And then when we open the door, boy, he kicks it in and comes in and makes a difference, okay? But we have to be the one who open it. Let him come in and have access to your whole heart. Let that healing come into your life. Seek his face. The word face in 2 Chronicles is also synonymous with the word presence. So when we're talking about seeking God's face, we need to seek his presence. And what is the presence of God? What is that encounter like? What does that look like? What effect should God's presence have on our lives? Please turn with me to First Chronicles sixteen, verses starting in verse one. We're going to read through here. And what's going on in this passage is that David has just become king of Israel. Okay, and in becoming the king of Israel, he went and re- retrieved the ark of the covenant of God. And what this ark was—if you guys could bring that picture up for me—the ark of God was made by Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness when they were wandering, to be in the tabernacle. And the idea of it was it was meant to be a throne for the presence of God. So the Ark of the Covenant is synonymous with the presence of God to the Old Testament Israelites. Okay? Now, the king before David, Saul, had lost it in battle. And for some reason, he never went and got it which probably explains, if you read up on how Saul's reign went, why it went the way it did. But when David became king, he knew, I need the presence of God. I need to go get this Ark of the Covenant, because this is going to be vital for me to lead the way I'm supposed to lead. He knew how important the presence of God was. Let's start in verse 1, 1 Chronicles 16. And they brought in the Ark of God and placed it inside the tent, which David had pitched for it and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He distributed to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a raisin cake. He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the Ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief, and second to him Zechariah, then Jael, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, Obedidim, and Jehiel with musical instruments, harps, lyres. Also, Asaph played loud sounding cymbals. And Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priest, blew trumpets continually before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Then on that day, David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. The people, the Israelites, were pumped. To be in the presence of God. They knew how important and how much that meant to them. They needed, they knew how much they needed that as a people. And they could not stop celebrating. They were blowing trumpets. They're banging cymbals. They're having a feast. Knowing what we know about David, I'm sure he was dancing around. They were having a great time. But yet we find ourselves in the presence of God, which is worship, open worship before the Lord, and we go like this. We stand there We look around. We hold on to the chair as if we're going to fall over if we don't. All right? We need to be excited just like they were. We're in the presence of God. He's done great and mighty things in our lives. We should be open to everything He has. Our hands should be in the air. And I understand that that's uncomfortable for some people. And I promise, when I first came here, broken, really in need of healing, there was not clapping, clapping in church. God forbid, you know, it was really new experience. But the longer I was here and the closer I grew to the Lord and the more these men of God poured into me and the more I realized and my eyes were open to how great God is and what he's done and continues to do in my life. I can't help but raise my hands and shout hallelujah. He's awesome. He makes all the difference in the world. And I can't be quiet. I can't hold still. Especially when we're, especially in in worship and singing praises to his name. We need to open up. Be vulnerable. Let him in. Praise him for what he's done. So when we have this presence with God, how should we find ourselves as we've been talking about? We'll continue on in verse uh, 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. So we should be full of thanksgiving and worship. We should be making his deeds known to everyone. If God's done something great in your life, we should be more than open to spread the word, to tell people what's going on. There's there's a lot of prayer requests that we have that come through on the eye care ministry. And I would love to see the praises that come after that. We need to know. We need to have something to look back on, to remember and see how great God is. Verse 10, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. We should have hearts full of gladness knowing who he is. Verse 11, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Seek the Lord in his strength because we know humbly that we're weak. We don't have it in us to live a perfect Christian life. We're in desperate need of the Lord for that. In our weakness, His strength is perfected. That's when He comes in and has His way and does what He wants to do. He strengthens us. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling tired, just go before the Lord and let Him refresh you. And He will work through you. Verse 12. Remember his wonderful deeds, which he has done, his marvels and the judgments from his mouth. So just as we were saying, we need to remember. Sometimes we so easily forget. We need to remember what God has done. Hold on to those things. The times that you really see him move in your life. Don't forget what he's done. Every time in the Old Testament, something happened where they had an encounter with God, they left a pile of rocks on the ground. They built it and said, this is named such and such so that we don't forget what God has done here. And we as believers need to leave our own pile of rocks every time something happens. So as we get to certain places where we're confused and we don't know what's going on and things seem hopeless and senseless, we can look back at our pile of rocks or two or three and say, man, God moved there. I know he's going to move here. And I will sit and wait for him patiently and obediently until he moves. Don't forget what he's done. If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. If, then, this is a conditional thing. If we do this, if we pray and seek God's face, then he will come in and he will forgive us which is what we need. We need his forgiveness. We need to be humble and say, God, I've been getting this thing wrong. And I need you. I need you to come forgive me so that I can be part of the healing, so I can be a testimony to those out in this world who need you. The word forgive means to pardon or spare. And we know we're spared from Right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we have that gift. And as a result of having that gift, of having that personal relationship with Christ, we need to let him in. We need to pray and seek his face and let him have his way. So as believers, uh, I, wanna, I just want to leave you guys with a verse that'll sort of sum this all up, I hope, and something that you can carry with you. Ephesians four thirty two. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. There's another passage in the Bible that says, We're to do good to each other, especially to those of the household of faith. We can't let the body of Christ be divided we can't let there be a lack of healing we can't let there be division we can't have the arm going here the leg going there Christ is the head we need to let him lead us we need to have hearts of forgiveness and compassion and patience towards one another we need to be unified there's such potential in the body of Christ and, and, and we squander it because we get swept up in the things of this world. But there's a world out there that needs us, needs him. And if we're not the ones out there showing what that looks like, who's going to do it? Where do they have to turn? There's a revival that's needed in our country. And we didn't picture it happening this way, but this is the way it's going. The world has lost everything that they've held on to for security. It's gone. Nothing makes sense anymore. But we're grounded in the word. We know what that hope is. We know what direction to turn them. But if they don't see that acted out in our lives, we're all just aimlessly wandering together. Let's be healed, church. Let's ask for forgiveness. And if you never ask the Lord for forgiveness, today is your opportunity. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no real special, specific words. There's no actions. You don't have to clean yourself up first. You just got to come before the Lord. Confess that you need him. That everything else you've tried hasn't worked. That you need him to come into your heart. That you need his forgiveness. Because we are all sinners. And we're in desperate need of forgiveness. And we can't make it without the power of Jesus Christ. And accept him into your heart. And you will be saved. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I'll just encourage you now as we bow our heads and close our eyes. You can just pray. Dear Lord... I need you. Everything that I I held on to for security, the things that define me, I'm losing them one by one. And I realize that this world cannot offer me the hope and security that my soul needs. And today, Lord, I come before you because I need you, because I realize that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, was buried for me and rose again the third day so that I can have eternal life, Lord. And as a result of that, I give my life to you. Please come into my heart, change my life and help me get to know more of who you are. And church, search your hearts, Pray. Think about how things have been for you. Just take the last four months. How have we conducted ourselves? What do we need to change? We're always in need of change. We've never made it as Christians. We need the Lord every day. How can we do better? Where can we let the Lord in to heal us so that we can be part of the solution? help heal our land. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for your church. I thank you for the body of believers, Lord. I thank you for your word that you give us. It's an instruction book, Lord. We have all the answers we need right here. I pray that you would heal your church, Lord, that you would heal individuals' hearts, Lord, that you would heal broken relationships, broken marriage, Lord, that you would reunite children and parents, God, and family members that have been divided over time, Lord that the church would be a place of unity, of like-mindedness, Lord, different individuals with the same goal in mind. And that is reaching the lost for you in a world that needs you. So God, please come in. Come into our hearts, Lord, even as believers now, we have you in our hearts, Lord. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, Lord, to receive your word, to continue working, to be the best disciples of Christ that we can be. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for being in our lives, Lord. We thank you that you're with us always, and we look forward to seeing what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.